This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Millions of Americans are participating in virtual meetings, otherwise known as Zoom meetings, leading to a very real concern, Zoom fatigue. But there are ways to avoid video conferencing burnout. When you go to a real meeting, you think about where you're going to sit. You think about how you're going to dress. You think about who you're going to talk to first. And we plan. But for some reason, people don't do that with their Zoom setups. Then, surprising results of research indicate that artificial light sources can result in preterm birth and underweight babies. Increases in light exposure at night during pregnancy has been found to increase the incidence of preterm births. That is decreased gestational length and lower birth weight. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. With social distancing and lockdowns, video conferencing platforms like Zoom have become more popular than ever. But recent research leads to concerns about their use. Here to explain is Stanford University Professor of Communication, Jeremy Balenson, founding director of the Stanford Virtual Human Interaction Lab. Professor, you looked at the psychological consequences of spending hours a day on these platforms Before we get to the results of your study, tell us, how did you gather the data for this? We've been working on this for about a year, and we collect data in a number of ways. First, we've developed a questionnaire. It's a short questionnaire, 15 items. We've now given that to thousands of people to understand who's getting fatigued, when they're getting fatigued. We also do lab studies where we bring people in and we have them do video conferences, and we look at what they do and we look at what they say. And of course, we spend a lot of time reading past work. But this notion of going from, you know, taking one or two video conferences a week to some of us being in front of the camera for eight hours a day, no one studied that before. And it's a really new question. So the result is something you call Zoom fatigue. And I wondered if you could walk us through the reasons why this happens. Yeah, so there's lots of reasons why this happens. You know, I tend to focus on the nonverbal behavior and the causes that I can attribute to just kind of how you're looking and what your perceptual system is encoding. And we've isolated four causes. The first one is about eye contact. So imagine you're in an elevator. People get very close to you in an elevator. They're forced to violate your personal space because of the context. How do we solve that? We look down. We don't look at people in the eye. But in Zoom, you've got these faces and they're close up to you the same way they would be in an elevator, but you can't look away because you're on a work meeting or you have to be on that call. So imagine physically being in an elevator and everybody turned towards you in that elevator and stared at you the whole time. This is very arousing when people stare at you close up. From an evolutionary standpoint, when somebody's very close to you and staring at you, it typically means you're about to get in a fight or you're about to mate. Either way, those are arousing situations and being so close to so many staring faces, over time, this arousal, it really starts to deplete us. And so the first reason is this nonverbal gaze at a close distance that's really, it wears on us over time. The way to solve that easily for listeners is if we just, instead of having that Zoom screen, take up your whole monitor, if you actually go to that top right corner and you click the button that minimizes the window, you can shrink the window so it's about a third the size it should be. Now all of a sudden you've got these faces and they're looking at you, but they're not so big. And that's a nice trick to overcome that fatigue. Good idea. Second one is about a mirror. 
if you think about it, and this is not a Zoom specific decision, most video platforms, at some point in the history of video, people decided that they're going to show you a real time video of yourself. Now, in the real world, imagine that you are on your job and somebody was following you around all day long with a handhold mirror and was showing you a mirror image of your face while you were talking to people, while you're making decisions, while you're doing work all day long for eight hours. I mean, that would be bonkers, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Yes, it would. Think about that. That's what we're doing all day long with Zoom because there's a real-time video of yourself and you're constantly scrutinizing yourself and checking yourself and looking at your own face. Since the 1970s, there's been a number of studies that show when you're, there's a mirror in the room that people evaluate themselves. They criticize themselves and it's hard. It leads to stress and negative affect over time. So mm. the solution here is a really easy one and most people don't know this feature exists. If you right click your own video, there's a parameter that pops up called hide self view, hide self view. It takes 15 seconds to do this. Others will still be able to see you. You just won't be forced to be staring at your own face during the duration of the call. And I promise you, it takes a day or two to get used to this because we've all been for the last year. We've had this feature, which is looking at ourselves. It takes a day or two to get used to it, but you'll feel much better long term if you get rid of that feature. Yeah, I can understand that would be a distraction to have to look at yourself all day long it would actually be kind of scary for some people. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that if you take a step back and you think about what you're doing, you'll never go back. I mean, it's a feature that really makes no sense from a psychological standpoint. An engineer at some point decided to put it in there because that person could, but it's really not a good feature for psychological well-being. Our guest is Stanford University Professor of Communication, Jeremy Balenson. He's founding director of the Stanford Virtual Human Interaction Lab. And we're talking about his study that identified four causes of Zoom fatigue and their fixes. So we're on to number three right now, Professor. Number three is cognitive load. And I want you to think about a face-to-face -face conversation you've had with friends and family. It's pretty easy. It comes naturally. You talk Sometimes you smile and laugh. Sometimes you sit and walk and lean in different places. You don't consciously think about it. You just exist with these people. And research from the 1960s has shown nonverbal behavior. It's the easiest thing for us to do, even though it's complicated when a computer tries to examine what's going on. For us as people, you just gesture with other people and you don't think about it. With Zoom, because you want to make sure somebody's seeing a gesture, instead of just kind of agreeing the way you would normally, you have to do an exaggerated long head nod and do that for five or 10 seconds, or you have to lift up your thumb and thumbs up somebody in front of the camera. And you're actually, you're spending time and effort on gesturing, which is not something you do in the real world. This cognitive load adds up over time. On the other side, in terms of not just sending signals, but receiving them from other people, think about what it means in the real world when one person looks to their left right at another person's face. That means there's a signal to attention and that you should look at that other person. On Zoom, when somebody looks all the way to the left, we see them as looking at the person in the grid to their left, but they're actually looking off screen. It could be that, you know, the mailman just came by. It could be their kid walked in the room, but our brains interpret that gesture, them looking to the side as looking at another person in the grid. And it causes all this confusion as our brain automatically interprets this nonverbal behavior, but it actually has no meaning behind it. It's like getting smothered with a fire hose by these nonverbal gestures, but they don't actually mean anything. Now, I've heard some people have figured out a way to take a video loop of themselves, just sort of smiling a little bit, nodding, and they just stick it into Zoom so it just plays continuously and they can do whatever they want in the background. 
Yeah, so look, there are some meetings that we need to see each other's faces and we should have it. What I want to make people understand is just because you can do a video conference and you can show your face and see other faces doesn't mean you have to. And so I love that idea of the video loop. If you're forced, you know, as an employee to be on a video and you actually just want to listen, what I hope we can get to is that we use video for the times when you actually need it and for the ones you don't culturally it's okay just to go voice only. Well, Professor, let's move on to the fourth cause of Zoom fatigue. The fourth cause of Zoom fatigue is limited mobility. When I have a phone conversation, and this may resonate with you, while you're talking on the phone, you're wandering through the kitchen, you try out three or four different chairs, maybe you stir some pasta, you stretch your lower back. Talking to someone and walking around, you can still focus all of your attention on that voice without having to sit still. And what the Zoom setup forces us to do is to sit in front of this camera and the field of view of the camera, that cone is called a frustrum and that frustrum causes us to have to sit still. And humans don't want to sit still. There was a dissertation at Stanford a few years back that showed that in work meetings when people are walking around, they're actually more creative. And all of us, when we meet, you don't just sit there still. You go to a whiteboard, you pace a little bit, you doodle. And the culture of being on video conference, it's forced us to have to all just sit still and stare at the screen. Well, Professor, thank you for going through those four areas that cause Zoom fatigue. What advice would you have for our listeners if they find themselves stuck in a situation with Zoom and they're just starting to burn out? They can very vaguely recall what you said. What are some really simple tools they could use? Number one, right-click your video and hide self-view. You don't need to look at yourself all day long in order to participate in a call. Number two, Shrink that zoom window so it doesn't take up the full screen. It can be a third of the screen. You still see the faces, but you don't have to have these huge faces staring at you. Number three, think about your zoom setup. So when I say that, you can change the lighting in your room. You can have an external camera that you may move behind the computer. You can have an external keyboard that gives you more space between your body and the screen. You can put your laptop up on a couple of books so that it changes the angle. Spend 30 minutes tinkering with your Zoom system. You only have to do this once and then it'll be there forever. But when you go to a real meeting, you think about where you're going to sit. You think about how you're going to dress. You think about who you're going to talk to first. And we plan. But for some reason, people don't do that with their Zoom setup. So plan it and actually get your setup so that you're comfortable. You spend 30 minutes once, you'll be so happy there on out. Great advice from Stanford University Professor of Communication, Jeremy Balinson. Professor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Next, excess light pollution can impact babies in the womb. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 